We need your help to keep the North Omaha History Podcast going. Please go to NorthOmahaHistory.com slash podcast, click on the Patreon link, and consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. We'd like to thank Lori Schwartz, Wanda Lewis, and Jim Collison for becoming patrons. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. Florence Boulevard was Omaha's first and finest parkway. Standing at the corner of Cumming Street and Florence Boulevard in near North Omaha, it's really hard to imagine this straight-laced ribbon of pavement was ever called Omaha's prettiest mile boulevard and Omaha's most beautiful mile. It was lined with flowers from downtown all the way to the Missouri River Bluffs where it ends. Adam, tell us more about this. So, Steve, imagine, if you will, this gilded age in America where everybody is building beautiful Victorian homes, riding high in these carriages, and really having a a sense of success and possibilities. That was the upper class. And then you had the regular working man who was out there busting his butt every day, really trying to make a living. But everybody agreed that they need beautiful spaces. They needed a place that places that they could go to really enjoy their lives and really make something of themselves. Along the way in Omaha, somebody discovered a stretch of land right along the top of the bluffs that they needed to preserve by putting houses along it. Houses with extravagant views of the Missouri River Valley that looked out over the land You could see the river, you could see the trees, you could see the fields, you could see everything that was beautiful and natural uh, that was left in Omaha. Their views of downtown Omaha had been blocked out by big city buildings, including the warehouses and the factories and all of the different railroad apparatus that were down there. And so they really wanted to move someplace pretty. Well, along the way, somebody found uh, the land that we think of today as Florence Boulevard from about... uh, the Sorensen Parkway north up to Reed Street or J.J. Pershing Drive. And they decided that that's where they needed to start building houses. That was the 1890s. And they started selling lots up there and making the most of it. But they needed something beautiful that would help people get from here to there and really make that drive worth it. And that was originally called Winter Quarters Road. And Winter Quarters Road was just a straight shot, straight due north uh, that took people right up into this area up to what was originally Winter Quarters. Uh, It was a wagon road from the Old West. Uh, But as the city got more and more tamed, it became more and more tamed itself. In the the early 1890s, the city of Omaha started its parks program. It didn't have one before that. The original three parks for the city had been mostly paved over. The only one that was left was Jefferson Square. And so the city decided that they needed to get serious about parks and have some beautiful places for people to go. The first and and the largest park that really got a lot of attention was Hanscom Park. But they ended up hiring this landscape architect from the East Coast. His name was uh, Horace Cleveland. And Horace came to Omaha and he looked around and and he toured and toured. And he ended up coming with, with a plan for Omaha that took it a little bit away from the parks program. Instead of taking all of those trees and all of those flowers and all that beauty and cramming it into one small space, Horace Cleveland envisioned a series of boulevards that would lead throughout Omaha, long, swooping, romantic rides in your wagon and carriage that would really give you a sense of Omaha as a completely beautiful city instead of just having these pockets of parks. And so the system of boulevards began to get built um, 
1892. And it was, it was magnificent. I mean, it was a really special thing. The boulevards were a little bit wider. They had swooping drives that went along with the natural features of the land instead of the grid pattern streets that were used so much at that point. And they led to special places, gigantic parks where people could go and spend a day and really take in relaxation, take in nature, take in all of the beauty of these parks. And so the very first boulevard in Omaha to get made was called Florence Boulevard. Florence, of course, we remember is the town uh, that was north of Omaha at that point in the 1890s. The town had been started in the 1850s and even before then as winter quarters, like we said. And Horace was basically building on top of the old winter quarters road. But in doing this, he planted trees all along the side of the road. He put down this kind of gravel road that went the entire distance. It was unseen in Omaha up to that point for one long, wide boulevard to just take up all this beauty and have all of this development. They planted flowers, like I said, like you said in the intro, they planted flowers the entire distance. Now you had to, Florence Boulevard went through some neighborhoods. It went along by some factories. It even went by some different railroads and, and, and apparatus like that. But the entire length of Florence Boulevard was never, ever interrupted by a streetcar running along it, which was an anomaly because that was a special thing. There were so many streetcars shooting around Omaha, horse-drawn streetcars, and later steam-pulled streetcars, and later electric streetcars, that to have a drive that you could take that didn't have all of that, oh, that was calm, that was relaxing. Uh, later on, buses didn't run along Florence Boulevard. Like, it was kind of seen as a special thing that they wanted to keep intact and really make special. But when you got to that section on the north end that I'd mentioned, north of Sorensen Parkway right there, it became an entirely different world. Saratoga was very tree-lined, and, and it's hard to imagine this about North Omaha today, but at one point in the 1950s and 60s, North Omaha was entirely covered with these gigantic hundred-year-old cottonwoods and other kinds of beautiful trees that they had introduced, fruit trees and evergreen trees and all kinds of trees, and Florence Boulevard was totally part of that scene. And you wanted to ride along it because it was shaded in the hot summer. And you wanted to ride along it in the wintertime because it would take you right to where you needed to go. It was almost like, and I say this cautiously, but it was almost like the interstate of its time because people could move expediently without a lot of interruption along it. But you're taking a country drive, it's 1890s, and you go out to this northern section of Florence Boulevard and you see these houses. There's, there were two developments at the time. One of them was called Norwood and the other one was called Parkwood, and Norwood and Parkwood were filled with gigantic houses, and they're still there today that you can go see. Um, some of these houses are just knockout, Steve. They're Spanish colonials, they're classic, uh, neoclassic, they're um, pioneer era. I mean, just all kinds of beauty converging right along Florence Boulevard there from about Ames Street north now. But when you get to that northern section, there were islands, beautiful medians, filled with flowers for an entire mile of length. Uh, they went all up and down north and south along the boulevard right there. And these flowers, it just wasn't one nice little flower stand. Like these medians were pouring over with flowers. And they had gigantic fruit trees that were just fat with apples and pears and plums and all kinds of stuff. And the houses were magnificent and it just took your breath away. So people originally didn't call it Florence Boulevard. They actually called it Omaha's Prettiest Mile Boulevard. And it just took their breath away. I mean, it was a very magic, special space. You know, Florence Boulevard was also the first road in Omaha to be fully lit with electric lamps, north to south. 
from uh, all the way down at Cumming Street and then moving way up north uh, by the turn of the century, there were all these electric lamps. And one of the things that helped really set that off uh, was the first entirely electric exposition uh, in the United States. We've, we've talked a little bit about the Trans-Mississippi Expo before, but in 1898, the Trans-Mississippi Expo happened at Kuntz Park, uh, right around Florence Boulevard and Pratt Streets, uh, as we know them today. And uh, it was a magnificent thing, man. Almost 200 acres covered with these neoclassical buildings. There were, they were made of staff, kind of a plastered Paris, and, and were meant to be temporary, and they were. But it happened right there on Florence Boulevard. And they had some really magnificent plans for monuments and special stuff to get built right there, uh, including a grand archway that was going to be made of big stone from all over the states in the Trans-Mississippi area. It didn't end up getting built, but the area stayed beautiful for a very long time. And it's still, the Kuntz Park is a beautiful place today. A little bit on the rough side, but uh, still beautiful for sure. If if you really look, you can still see the the ghosts of the, the grandeur. The boulevard system remains, doesn't have the park-like setting that it once had. But there there is a, a building at 2060 Florence Boulevard that's always intrigued me. For, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, it looks like a stone mansion. Talk about that. Well, the, the style is actually called Scottish uh, Baronial. Scottish Baronial Revival. It's the same style, ultimately, as the Joslin, much more famous Joslin Castle, in, in the sense that it's built with a turret. It's got rough hue and stone. It's, however, it's done in gray stone, where Joslin's done in a more tan stone. Anyhow, uh, this was the Broadview, it's called the Broadview Hotel. It's actually had many lives. It was built by a, a rich businessman uh, who moved his family into North Omaha there at the turn of the century and had that fine, fine house built for his family. When he moved out, it was um, it changed hands a few times. And then in the 1920s, like we've talked before in our podcast about racism in Omaha and the different rioting that happened early on in Omaha's history, uh, the near north side became segregated and white people didn't want to live in that area any longer, anything south of basically Lake Street and further north. When that happened, places like this house at 2060 Florence Boulevard, they were bought by well-to-do African-Americans. And one of the families that ended up, or the family that ended up owning the the, the 2060 Fontenot Boulevard uh, was the Trimble family. And the Trimbles were well-to-do, working class but but successfully working class. They owned a lot of properties around North Omaha eventually and invested their money that way. And when they bought the Broadview, a need was identified, as it were. Since they were a successful family, they were hosting a lot of uh, traveling musicians who were coming through Omaha, African-American musicians, black musicians, who performed at 24th and Lake and, and in that vibrant area that was so renowned for its jazz, blues, soul, and other music that's very important to the community still today. These folks needed a place to stay. And since Omaha was a segregated city and white folks made it known that black people couldn't stay in the fancy hotels in downtown Omaha, African-Americans had to make do and make their own. There was a really famous black hotel in South Omaha that was called the Paxton Hotel, but it was kind of a run-of-the-mill working man's hotel. The Broadview was not. The Broadview was for uh, the players. It was for the musicians. It was for uh, the sports stars and, and the different folks who came through Omaha. And a lot of famous people ended up staying there. I actually have a NorthOmahaHistory.com article all about the Broadview just to really emphasize the importance of that of that home. 
And in the 1950s, uh, it became a private house again and was used as a boarding house, uh, as well as probably with some uh, shady uses, as it were. There's rumors that it was a brothel for a while. And then uh, it it went into private ownership and was turned into apartments, and it's still the apartments today. It's not all separated like a lot of places are, but and still maintains a lot of its historical integrity, not just on the outside, but also on the inside. Surprisingly, a lot of the woodwork and different features are really there. It's a magnificent house and uh, really belongs on that National Register of Historic Places, but definitely one of the highlights of the entire boulevard. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Now, there were tunnels along... Florence Boulevard, did I read that correctly in your blog? <laughs> so one of the most talked about things right now in in uh, the newspaper, in the Omaha World Herald, and just on the online forums and different spaces and Forgotten Omaha and groups like this, are the tunnels on Florence Boulevard. So picture this Gilded Age. Let's go way back to the 1890s. And at first, folks wanted uh, the, the ease of good living with their big, beautiful houses that they were building up there. You had cliffs behind the houses. And what they ended up doing was actually making barns down at the bottom of the cliff and then building these tunnels that would go right up to the houses. And they were functional. And the tunnels were for bringing their horses up to the house to hook them up to the carriage and take them out on the boulevard to travel around the city the way that people did then. Around the 1910s and 20s, that gilding age became the roaring 20s. And people wanted to have parties down in the field. So they would light it all up. They had their electric lights by then. They would put strings of lights around a field area right there. And if you can imagine, Steve, they were having uh, absinthe and and vermouth and all kinds of uh, fancy 1920s drinks and playing jazz music and partying down in the fields. A really beautiful romantic scene. You know, you got your lightning bugs and your humidity and beautiful lights glowing up in the night. And so that tu- those tunnels became important for that. But you know. Omaha took a shady turn when Prohibition kicked in and people really needed to get their booze still. And so there are rumors that some of those tunnels were used for Prohibition uh, to to run alcohol uh, to and from the homes that were up there and for other purposes as kind of a filter. There's uh, stories of of, uh, rivers of alcohol, as it were, that were flowing down those tunnels and out into the fields to be picked up by cars and other people. Uh, who delivered it illegally around the city at that point. You know, and then in the 1930s, the tunnels became even a little bit more useful. But let me jump back just a minute. Uh, 1920, Omaha's crime lord, political boss, his name was Tom Dennison. He moved into Florence Boulevard. He lived right there at the junction of Florence Boulevard where it meets 24th Street. And he had a big, beautiful home. Now, he only lived there for three years. His young bride died early. And uh, he ended up moving out right away because of that uh, after just three years. But the rumors are that his house has a massive tunnel still today and that several of the houses around there still do have these tunnels that are blocked off now. You cannot access them from the cliffs or otherwise. But uh, private homeowners talk about how some of that was there still today. Yeah, they talked about one of the tunnels that ran down to actually down to the Missouri River might have been used to keep the house cool. Yeah, and there were other features too. You know, my own in my own experience, um, back in the eighties and nineties, we used to go on night hikes down into the area at the base of the cliffs right there. And in our night hiking and and in the daytime when we went back, we had found all kinds of things. There were old barns that were down there, and I'm not talking a little tiny garage, but actual big barns that were used by 
these folks who lived up at the top and kept their gardens down at the bottom or had their parties down at the bottom. And the barns were a heck of a place and, and folks were still using them into the 90s. And then at one point, all of that was mowed down to get rid of homelessness and other problems that were happening uh, that were kind of invading that space. And like I said, the tunnels were blocked off. And so they're now all inaccessible for the most part, except through private owners' entrances. The other thing worth mentioning is that that area there at the base of the cliffs today has been repurposed. It, at one point, was a boggy swamp, and I walked through that more than once when I was a younger person. Uh, but that boggy swamp has been repurposed. The city of Omaha drained it, and uh, they've put in rugby fields, uh, and, and the rugby players play there all the time now. Uh, we're just right off of Sorensen Parkway, Stortz, Par- Stort- Stortz Parkway, where Sorensen becomes stores. And uh, folks are using that space for all kinds of things now. And the rest of it has been mostly cleared away or just left as kind of a nature area um, just to the west of J.J. Pershing Drive. Good stuff, Adam. And uh, on, on our next podcast, uh, the, the natural progression, we talked about Florence Boulevard on this one. We're going to talk about a history of Fontenelle Park on, on, our, on our next podcast. And we need your help to keep the North Omaha podcast afloat. Go to NorthOmahaHistory.com slash podcast. Click on the Patreon button and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. And we want to thank uh, Wanda Lewis and Jim Collison for being patrons of the program. And if you like the the show, tell your friends to listen and check out Adam's great selection of books on Amazon. And for those listening, Adam, if they ever want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, Steve, I love to get comments on my uh, articles that I write. If you go to NorthOmahaHistory.com, you'll see that every article has a different space that people can leave comments. There's also a contact button, and I invite anybody to send me any questions, comments, concerns, considerations, or other ideas, because I love to dialogue with people about North Omaha history. So, NorthOmahaHistory.com. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.